It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. We have embraced freedom. We have maintained law and order. We have protected the rights of parents. We have respected our taxpayers and we reject woke ideology. We fight the woke in the legislature. We fight the woke in the schools. We fight the woke in the corporations. We will never ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. People have come here because our policies work. Leadership matters. We refuse to use polls and put our finger in the wind. Leaders don't follow, they lead. We set out a vision. We executed on that vision and we produced historic results. And the people of this state have responded in record fashion. Now, while our country flounders due to failed leadership in Washington, Florida is on the right track. I believe the survival of the American experiment requires a revival of true American principles. Florida has proved that it can be done. We offer, we offer a ray of hope that better days still lie ahead. I am proud of our achievements in this state. I am honored by your support, and I look forward to the road ahead. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race in this first term, and I have kept the faith. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That is the, the, the headline of the night last night, of the election night last night. DeSantos, DeSantis, DeSantos, DeSantis, DeSantis. How does he like to say it? DeSantis. Uh, he won by almost 20, well, I'll say 17 points. That's not the final vote count. 17 points. And uh, Marco Rubio won by nearly that much. Miami-Dade County blue. Uh, you know, known for being, you know, the the hot spot of, you know, uh, LGBT fun and all other kinds of things, uh, it, often blue, most more often blue, has turned red. It's an amazing night in Florida, and you'll notice that Florida got their results in quickly. You'll notice that Florida actually, um, I went to vote yesterday because I've told you now that we live in Florida. Uh, they had backup machines. Everything ran uh, in a, as a well-oiled machine. And the votes were tallied. Why did not not happen in other places? I'm just asking. Let me just tell you that everything is still on the balance. 
No one has won the Senate, and no one has won the House. Uh, there are enough races out. There are four Senate races still be there in the balance. Uh, whoever, the Dems or the Republicans, need 51. The Republicans have 48 right now. The Democrats, 48. There are 64 House seats in play. At least when I did this an hour ago, you know, things can change moment by moment. Uh, either party needs 218. So the Democrats so far have 172. The Republicans, 199. The projection is that Republicans will still take the House. But, you know, who knows? I'm... Uh, and so let's talk about the Senate, because I think we've all been, like, holding our breath about the Senate. Uh, amazingly, Fetterman won in Pennsylvania, and Oz lost. Uh, the, the spread was 50.2 to—well, actually, I shouldn't give you these totals, because they're not the final. The vote—you know, they always give—they de- declare before the vote count is totally in, but they're separated by a couple of points. Um and uh, in in New Hampshire, Bulldog, Bulldog, who is the uh, general who was running, who was uh, endorsed by President Trump, lost. And people are pretty angry up there because Mitch McConnell and Karl Rove withdrew their PAC money, did not help him at all. And he was doing great. He was building momentum. Don Bulldog is his name. Uh, and so he did not win. He didn't prevail. Kelly Shabaka, when I looked this morning in Hawaii, um, uh, from Alaska, was ahead of uh, – Murkowski. Now, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's been updated, but that that surprised me. We're going to go out to Arizona in a few minutes with Ron Armstrong. I'm getting my states mixed up. No, we're not going to Arizona with Ron Armstrong. We're going to go to Michigan because Michigan had a hard night. And um, let me just say that Arizona had a hard night. But let me tell you some good news, uh, if I can. Um, If I can, and I can. In Arkansas, you guys, legalized marijuana is gone, like killed, dead. So thank God for that. And then uh, Kevin Stitt, who was our guest uh, on Monday, the governor of Oklahoma, won by a significant margin over Joy Hoffmeister. Uh, Carrie Lake uh, is still hanging in the balance, as is Blake Masters. And all uh, Christine Drazen in Oregon for governor did not lose by much. I don't even know if that race has been called. Uh, and um, remember Alex Car- Scarlatis, the, uh, the, the, the veteran who saved... Uh, people on that French train who we interviewed a couple years ago. He just won in Oregon. So there are some real interesting things that happened last night. But uh, when we come back, I have a special guest, and we're going to talk about something else just for a minute. So stay tuned. Sadie Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Hello, everyone. Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, if you're looking for a vacation with a purpose in 2023, why don't you consider joining us on one of our spiritual heritage tours? We're going to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and George Washington's Mount Vernon. And then we're also going to Jamestown, Williamsburg, and Yorktown. Those are two separate tours. June and September, we're going to go. And if you'd like more information on these, go to spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. Stephen McDowell, the president of the Providence Foundation and a uh, true American historian, will be joining us for both of these tours, and you will be enlightened and encouraged and educated and informed, and you'll be joining Christians from all over America on one of our tours. SpiritualHeritageTours.com is the website. Check it out. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is frustrating. 
Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community too. People encourage and pray for each other. Well, MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. Very worth looking into during Medicare open enrollment, which ends December 7th. If you join right now, your second month share will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make a switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. Woke Disney World is no longer the happiest place on earth. The other day, theme park executives told a high school marching band they would not be allowed to march in a parade just minutes before showtime. Seems the folks who run Disney took offense at Venice High School's mascot, the Indians. School leaders were told to cover up the Native American logo on its musical instruments. Well, it seems to me if the mascot was such a problem, why extend an invitation in the first place? Disney says the student musicians were still allowed to hang out in their park, but they would not be able to march in the parade. Well, kudos to the school principal. He refused to bow down to Disney's demands. He said it was not right to force the school to change its name or to cover their identity. So, while the drumbeats of a culture war thunder across the nation, it's nice to know the Venice High School Indians march to the beat of a different drum. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I woke up this morning and within minutes of the polls opening up, I started getting people calling, voters in tears, calling my personal number, saying, what's going on? The tabulators aren't working. This is not normal stuff. We don't have to have elections run this way. We switched from a Republican area to vote. We came right down into the heart of liberal Phoenix to vote because we wanted to make sure that we had good machines. And guess what? They've had zero problems with their machines today. So we were right to come and vote in the liberal area. They gotta fix this problem. This is incompetency. I hope it's not malice, but we're gonna fix it. We're gonna win. And when we win, there's gonna be come to Jesus for elections in Arizona. There's gonna be a come to Jesus. All right, that was Carrie Lake, and uh, we'll, we're going to get into this in just a minute, but let me just quickly tell you that at least 36% of all voting centers across Maricopa County had terrible problems, malfunctions with their ballot devices, their printers, everything. And so uh, Carrie Lake's campaign has sued Maricopa County. Uh, the votes uh, are, so far, Carrie is, I, when I looked last, she's behind Blake Masters is also, but... Uh, there was terrible malfeasance, and so uh, we'll we'll talk about that because Maricopa County is the largest.
County in Phoenix, and that's that's huge. That's a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Phoenix, we have a problem. All right, well, Sandy Rios back with you. Well, this week I've been telling you every day that um, this is going to be my last week hosting this particular show. Um, uh, so Friday will be my last day, and so tomorrow we have a new guest host, a new guest host, a new host who's going to be taking the show, and uh, I I want you to meet her let me just tell you before I introduce my guest today is that I'm going to a moving to a podcast called Sandy Rios 24/7. Sandy Rios 24/7. That's going to start on January the 9th and I'll be doing, you know, so I will still be here. I will be on the podcast lineup and we'll explain that more later when we have some time. Uh, but if you go to AFR.net, you can find out what's happening and when that's going, going to start. You can also go to my website, SandyRios.com. Right now, it's in ancient form. It's kind of funny, kind of amusing because it's older, but that's where uh, you can find out where I'm going to be and when things are happening and so forth and so on. Uh, and in the meanwhile, uh, Jay Christian Adams, my good friend, is going to be hosting along with Fred Jackson, my other good friend. Uh, uh, in the interim before our mystery guest, ho- our mystery new host joins us. Uh, so I've asked uh, Tim Wildman, who is the president of the American Family Association, to join us this morning uh, to kind of like tell us who that new host is going to be. Tim Wildman, thanks for joining me this morning. Hey, Sandy. Uh, is it morning already? Wow. <laughs> Did uh, you stay up all night I, last night? <laughs> well, I got about four hours, I guess, of sleep, uh, or four and a half, five hours maybe of sleep. Yeah, it was a, it was a long night uh, waiting for the results, and like you, it's frustrating. I think everybody's pretty frustrated with some of these states that <clears throat> can't follow Florida's lead and and get the counting over. I, I don't, I don't quite understand <clears throat> why that's not possible, or maybe it is possible. They just haven't converted to whatever it is that, as I say, Florida's doing. Florida's got. 24, 25 million people, like the third largest state in America, and, and they they get done, you know, in a matter of hours. So, so anyway, uh, and it, that is big news. What you shared earlier <clears throat> that uh, Governor DeSantis uh, won by <clears throat> 17 points, it appears, uh, and Miami Dade County, a big blue county, went red. I mean, it was a big <laughs> night in Florida for uh, for Governor DeSantis or the Republicans in general. Yes, I think honestly, my um, the bottom line for me, Tim, unless I find out differently today, uh, they predicted a huge red wave. I I think that I I've said and I will say again. I think you know um, the big red wave is exactly what we saw. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw twenty seven percent of you know uh, suburban women and um, uh, black voters, no Hispanic voters, move to the Republican column. We did see a big red wave. I think that the problem we're having is malfeasance. We're having malfeasance in early voting, in mail-in balloting. Much of the voting, you know, the, t- the tallies that were up there on the screen last night until the wee hours um, were because of early voting. And uh, there's, there's just all kinds of news coming out about the machines uh, in all over. New Jersey, um, in Arizona, all kinds of places. And so, well, Houston, we have a problem. So I think, you know... Look, the truth is, the truth is always what's real, what you see, and so we saw a huge sea change uh, in the electorate uh, in all kinds of polling, and so I think there are other problems we're going to have to come to grips with. But I'm sure that's not what people are going to be saying today. But that's my take on it. 
So anyway, well, uh, but and you know, we still don't know Tim. We don't know about the Senate. And we don't know about the House. So, right, um, those races are still out. Yeah. So, yep, yep. We're just gonna have to wait, I guess, a day or a few days to see what the, actually the score is, so to speak. But you, you know, I've said this in the House of Representatives, Sandy. With um, if the Republicans are able to just win by one. <laughs> Then they flip all the chairmanships. Now I'm talking uh, Republican Democrat here. I'm not necessarily talking about our our kind of folks because we know all the Republicans aren't necessarily our kind of conservatives. But I'm just talking about strictly uh, the party vote last night uh, and and what might happen that next day or two. The Republicans only need one uh, to win by one, and that the likelihood of that happening is very high still to uh, flip all the chairmanships in the House of Representatives and send Nancy Pelosi packing. And I don't know about the Senate. Uh, that was always going to be close anyway. Uh, it was, what was it, 50-50 going in. It may end up 50-50 when it's over. And uh, that's still not a filibuster-proof margin. Uh, President uh, Obama didn't get anything done legislatively. President Trump didn't get a whole lot done himself uh, legislatively. They couldn't because they didn't have the numbers in the uh, Senate to uh, overcome that 60-vote threshold. But we'll see uh, what happens in the next uh, day or two with these results that come in. Yeah, I actually think that the the House is going to go, I think the Republicans are going to win the majority. There's just a lot of seats, like there's this Alex Garlottis, who was that young veteran who saved uh, people on the French train. You may remember they made a movie out of his mm-hmm, story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We interviewed him a couple of years ago, and he ran again this time, and I did not interview him, but he actually won in Oregon, which is amazing. Uh, so um, there there are races like that, and there are also races out on Long Island. There's just all kinds of stuff pending. I actually think we're gonna, right. the Republicans are going to take the House. And this morning I heard that um, there's speculation from people who know that the, um, the House leadership uh, races are probably going to be, uh, leadership vote, whatever you call that, uh, voting for Kevin McCarthy is going to be delayed. That's the, the word on the street. So we'll see. I mean, I, that's not a declarative. That's probably likely what will happen uh, because people are blaming him for not leading and not leading with a message. And I think, uh, you know, the House um, people are a little bit ticked about that. So we'll see what happens with that. And then, of course, there's a move to replace McConnell, but my inside sources tell me that's almost impossible. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, you know, we'll see. Let me just tell you one other one other interesting uh, caveat, if you want to use that word about last night, and that is this. And this wasn't much talked about. The Republicans had twice as many uh, people uh, seats at risk. Than the, than the Democrats did. I'm talking about in the Senate. The House, it's every two years, it's everybody. But they had, in two years from now, it's going to be reversed. So the Democrats will have twice the number of uh, seats at risk. Uh, you, know, you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. Where you have incumbents. Yep. Uh, and so that, I'm just saying that, that that's when you have more to lose, potentially, than you do usually lose more. So uh, this this uh, the the uh, Republicans uh, their their bigger chance to pick up bigger numbers in the Senate are actually is two years from now. Yes, exactly. Well, Tim, we only have five minutes left, and so uh, I think you know my listeners are probably wondering who in the world you have selected to take the morning show. So I think, may why don't yeah. you tell them that? Huh? 
Well, uh, of course, uh, yeah, Sandy, and we uh, love you and appreciate you, and you've done such a wonderful job for us on AFR for 10 years now. And that was a really a God thing. We've talked about that story several times, what happened there. When I called you and, and, and invited you to, to uh, join our morning team and to really to kick off our day, and uh, with 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 our uh, our news a news talk format, and you agreed, and it's been a wonderful experience having you in that slot. And you're going to continue on with us, just in a different role. You won't have to be getting up at four every morning, <laughs> Monday through Friday. <laughs> That'll be nice. Can I can't. I, yeah. yeah, I have to admit that's yeah, uh, that's very, very, going to be really nice. I and I'm going to continue <laughs> as the as your director of governmental affairs. Right. So so yes. we want to know people yes. to know I'm not going anywhere. Yes. So. Yes, yes. But uh, Jenna Ellis uh, has agreed, and she'll be taking over that slot uh, in uh, January, January 2nd. We wish she could come on earlier, but it's a big adjustment, a big life adjustment for somebody to, to take that job that you've had for us. So Jenna is a constitutional attorney. Many people have seen her on uh, Fox News and Newsmax and other places. She was a, uh, an attorney for President Trump. I'm not sure exactly what her role was there. But I know that she worked closely with the Trump administration. She uh, has been involved in the conservative movement for, uh, you know, I, I think she's in her mid-30s, I would guess, uh, late 30s, although I don't want to guess a woman's age of over 40. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, be uh, careful she, there. <laughs> that's, that's risky if, if she's 33 <laughs> and I call her 41. So anyway, I'm not sure exactly her age. But anyway, she is a, uh, a younger uh, a person, I will say this. And she is uh, very knowledgeable, and uh, she's also a strong evangelical Christian. So she uh, looks at things like you do through a biblical worldview lens. And so we're very excited that she's going to come on. And uh, you know, uh, having a we we wanted a lady uh, too. Uh, and uh, you know, there's plenty of guys on our network. We we need a strong Christian lady's voice too, like you've been. Uh, and not that that matters. Uh, that, that's not an overarching concern, but it's uh, but it's nice to, to have uh, you know women who can uh, speak to these issues just as men do. And so we're excited to have Jenna. She'll be again on the air with us in January. And Jay Christian Adams, who does an outstanding job that uh, you know filling in when you're away. Uh, and Fred Jackson, we're, those guys are top-notch, too. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's just a, a change, a different direction in terms of your role with us. But we're very excited about what God has for Jenna and what God has for you in terms of AFR. And uh, just wanted to come on with our listeners and say uh, that's what the situation was and is. Yeah. Yes, uh, so that's a, and so you guys are going to be in good hands. I told you that. And so Jenna's going to join me tomorrow, and I will interview her, and you'll get to know her. Uh, so that she's not a stranger as I hand the baton to her. Right. Uh, well, Tim, we only have a minute left, but, you know, probably a lot of listeners don't know that beginning story, and so let me tell it quickly. Uh, I was working for Fox. I did a hit in uh, with Bill O'Reilly uh, on J.C. Penney choosing Ellen DeGeneres to be their spokesperson. This is a long time ago, 10 years ago. <laughs> and um, uh, Bill was very difficult. <laughs> let me just say he was so concerned I was going to say something bad about Ellen DeGeneres uh, that he just kind of blocked everything that I had prayed about and wanted to say. And I was so discouraged when I left that interview. I got in the car and started crying. I said, And I said to Bruce, I said, Bruce, I, I've been on television for years. I've been on radio. I'm not looking for attention. I'm not looking to be on television. If I cannot get my message out, why am I doing this? 
And I was so discouraged uh, about that and actually considering that I just should withdraw if I can't uh, speak out boldly about what I believe. And the, the very next morning, uh, Tim Wildman called me. When Tim and I had talked, but we didn't really know each other. Out of the blue, he'd seen me uh, in this uh, interview with um, Bill O'Reilly and asked if I would join the AFR team in the early mornings. And I have to add, Tim, that uh, I didn't want to do it because, oh, my goodness, that early in the morning. Uh, but my husband, Bruce, right. said, oh, no, you have to. I miss you on Radio Sandy. You have to do this. So I blame it on Bruce and on Tim that I do this every single morning. <laughs> uh, well, it was a, uh, they say it was a God thing. Uh, yes. The, 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 I, I happened to be watching you that evening, <clears throat> and uh, and then, as you say, you knew my dad, but you and I didn't know each other very well at all. So just to call you out of the blue, I, I think I had to round up your cell phone number from somebody. And then for, for Bruce, uh, your wonderful husband, to uh, say, con- confirm yeah. that it was a God thing, was uh, here we are 10 years later. So you got to do this, Sandy. You have to do My own husband saying he misses me on radio. I mean, think about that, Tim. And it, you know what? And the, morning, the mornings, you know, the, the, the rigor of this show has been hard for him as my husband. He's, pay, he's sacrificed a lot, even though people don't hear him on the air much. And so I, I thank God for my sweet husband. And thank you for that call, Amen. Tim, and for your leadership at the American Family Association. I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, 10 more years with you guys. Uh, and again, it's going to be Sandy Rios 24-7 beginning on January the 9th. All right. So, Tim, thanks a lot. And I appreciate you joining me okay. so early. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Take a time out in the corner. Refuse to allow anything, whether they be relationships, whether they be friends and family members, whether they be a Supreme Court refusing to hear a case, whether they be any election results, no matter what it is, refuse to allow those things to eclipse the preeminence of Christ in your life. The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, weekday afternoons at 5 Central on AFR. The podcast is available anytime at AFR.net. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net. And sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My name is Abraham Hamilton III and this is the Hamilton Minute. What are gates? They are defensive tools used to keep stuff out, to keep an advancing force at bay. Too often the enemy is successful in putting Christians on defense. When the facts are the Lord established his church as an aggressive, offensive, territory-taking body. The Lord never meant for us to sit on the sidelines of life or to cower in the corner as a result of the wickedness in our culture. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The light of the world cannot be contained. The Lord is building his church, and the manby-pamby gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. 
Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and the persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you? They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship and you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Please, in this season of giving, pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. As of now, the outcome of the races that will determine control of the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives remains unclear. Specific candidates and local issues are factors, but given the palpable and well-documented anger of a majority of voters about the wrong direction in which the nation is headed and the historical losses that first-term presidents' parties suffer in midterms, the Republican opposition should have performed far better. That would have required, however, leadership in Congress that articulated and pursued a robust platform for corrective action and explicitly sought a mandate for achieving it. Compare the failure of Senator Mitch McConnell and Representative Kevin McCarthy to provide such leadership with the crushing success of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who fearlessly did. The former should have the grace now to yield their positions to others actually willing to lead. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We continue to await several pivotal races uh, to wrap up, especially those out west. But as we keep an eye on that, uh, we're talking about Senate races from Arizona to Georgia to Nevada to Wisconsin. As you pointed out, obviously that's going to determine the balance of power in Washington. And that is, of course, despite the fact that we've already seen a bevy of results come across the books, and yet we still don't know which party will lead the government moving forward. We do know that in Pennsylvania, there was no red wave to speak of as John Fetterman the man who struggled to speak throughout his lone debate still somehow managed to ride the wave of a massive lead thanks to early balloting and mail-in voting to beat Dr. Oz. We jammed them up. We held the line. I never expected that we were going to turn these red counties blue. But we did what we needed to do. That's why I'll be the next U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. Wow. Cannot wait to do the autopsy on that race and find out exactly how that all went down in Pennsylvania. Meantime, over in Ohio, J.D. Vance, as you know, pulled out the victory over Tim Ryan, claiming a much-heralded Senate seat in the Buckeye State. Whether you voted for me or not, the thing that I promise to do is go to the United States Senate and fight every single day for the people of Ohio. Thanks to you, we get an opportunity to do just that. I will never forget the great people of Ohio. Thank you for this honor to serve you. I'll fight for you every day. God bless you guys, and thank you. O-H-I-O.
Meantime, barring any major surprises on the House side, Republican Kevin McCarthy and the GOP do seem poised to usher Nancy Pelosi right out of the Speaker's office. When you wake up tomorrow, we will be in the majority and Nancy Pelosi will be in the minority. The American people are ready for a majority that will offer a new direction, that will put America back on track. Republicans are ready to deliver it. Kevin McCarthy speaking there. Meantime, the Democrats actually lost a number of high-profile gubernatorial races across the country. Brian Kemp, for example, knocking out Stacey Abrams in Georgia again. Beto O'Rourke losing yet another bid for political office in the great state of Texas, falling to Greg Abbott as he remains at the state house in beautiful Austin, Texas. But the news wasn't all bad for the Democrats last night. Kathy Hochul and Gretchen Whitmer both edged out their Republican opponents despite much tighter-than-expected races in both cases. While down in the Sunshine State, Ron DeSantis won big, and I mean really big. Look at the vote totals there, by a million and a half votes over Charlie Crist. So much so was the uh, impressive victory there that the New York Post is calling him the future, which I thought was pretty clever. Guys, back to you. It is. All right, Kevin Cork this morning on Fox, just kind of giving a wrap. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't talk this morning. An overview of what happened. There's so many races, it's hard to find the words to tell you about all of them, but we're going to tell you about more of them. I want to go to Michigan now with our good friend Ron Armstrong, the founder of Stand Up Michigan. Uh, they did the bus tour, they worked their hearts out, and last night was a heartbreaking night for them, I think. Ron, good morning, and thank you for joining us when I'm. I'm kind of guessing your heart's pretty heavy this morning. Uh, you know, um, I, 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 it's heavy because I feel like, uh, you know, t- truth didn't prevail and, and we, you know, the, what, what should have happened obviously did not happen. But I think when, you know, you always have to have a, a time of reflection and then you have to begin to move forward with a strategy. And I, I believe that um, what was really evident is that our party uh, overall uh, does not have an identity and does not have a leadership. Um, and, and when you lack leadership and direction and, and promises, it doesn't carry well. And that is the difference between what Ron DeSantis did in Florida and what we've seen across the rest of the country with a lot of new faces that have not been a part of the political spectrum before, didn't have name recognition, and were outspent sometimes like we did here in Michigan in the neighborhood of 8 or 10 to 1 and when you're outspent like that and you don't have name recognition, uh, it is very, very difficult to win. And we saw incumbents won all across the country. People were happy with status quo. Um, and I think that uh, it means that we have to provide a, a better vision. We also have to be more strategic. And we also have to know that the just the anger alone over what has happened to us does not uh, translate into people voting for us. I believe it has to also be a hope and a confidence for the future. And I think that's what DeSantis provided to the people of Florida, and that's why they voted for him. Well, let's talk about what happened in Michigan, because I haven't said. And so let's talk about this. Gretchen Whitmer did beat Tudor Dixon. The last report I have here is 53.3% to 45.1%. A Tudor in the polls was supposedly very close to that, uh, her, Gretchen, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was showing even in almost all polling as we moved uh, towards the end. Uh, so I don't know rather uh, it, it is there are two parts to that that we don't know of. 
the, again, the early voting, meaning the absentee uh, ballots, started uh, you know weeks before the election. And honestly, a lot of that uh, vote, we believe, uh, the get out the vote, especially by mail-in ballot, uh, was in the can, honestly, before uh, w- the surge started with Tudor. So it is possible, because that's how they target, that they had a kind of an insurmountable lead before they knew who she was or what she stood for. Because all that had happened up until that point in October uh, was uh, millions and millions of dollars into painting her as an extremist. And there was no visual of, of what it was that she offered for Michigan. And I have a feeling that uh, that if we could if we could point to that, I have a feeling the mail-in ballot uh, doomed us. And I think the same thing happened in Pennsylvania with Fetterman. I think there was yeah. probably a million votes in before that happened. So um, there's a lot of reasons we can look at it, uh, but it is disheartening. Uh, and it, it, it's worse than that because uh, the proposals also were all Yes, uh, I was going to get passed. to that. Prop 2, again, let me just say, this was the one that is going to uh, do away with the need for voter ID when you vote and a bunch of other things. Think of the, uh, the, the huge, horrible bill that Congress tried to pass to federalize elections and uh, provide for more mailing voting and all the rest of it. And my understanding is Prop 2 is that and more. Is that right, Ron? That's correct. It is. Uh, it's going to be nine days of early voting in Michigan. <sighs> Uh, it is going to uh, allow military ballots to come in nine days after the uh, after the election. Um, it is going to it approves uh, within their uh, Zuckerbucks and uh, outside money to be uh, provided directly to uh, uh, jurisdictions. That that obviously means that it doesn't have to be uh, equally uh, offered to people, which is horrible and. It just goes kind of on and on as to uh, it is it, it is going to make it very, very difficult for Michigan to win statewide elections uh, moving forward. It also does not allow any audits to be done other than through the secretary of state. And we have the worst in the nation who has broken the law and judges have said so, but there's no accountability. So proposal two is a disaster. And we have to figure out, again, a strategy of, of how we move forward because we don't have a choice. Let me just in, inject, uh, he's the Secretary of State's Jocelyn Benson. We've talked about her a lot here, Ron. Uh, she, the, 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 Supreme, the Michigan Supreme Court rushed in to spare her from a lower court judge's ruling that she had to uh, bring a voter roll, uh, purge the voter rolls of dead voters and also change her countermanding instructions to poll workers that were not, not the regular uh, orders, and she said she didn't have time, and the Supreme Court stood up uh, and defended her. And by, by a vote of whatever, two only two said that she should be uh, responsible for that. But uh, so she, and she's the, older, the one overseeing this election, and she, meanwhile, also is running for Secretary of State. Do anybody see any problems with that? And she roundly defeated Christine Caramo, right? She did indeed, and uh, I think it's again. It's it's it, it, it was millions and uh, millions. I think it was again close to ten to one. What was spent uh, outside money came in to support her. They were after proposal two. This is a, a, a this is coming to a state near you uh, in the next couple of years. So be prepared. Uh, the same language will be used, and the same uh, deceit in in regards to photo ID will be used to name this, and it fooled an awful lot of people. Um, but yes, I think uh, what we're what we're looking at here is. Uh, um, elections have consequences, and two years ago, uh, we elected a uh, uh, another, uh, basically a liberal leading uh, Supreme Court in Michigan. They have, in, uh, on, on two or three occasions in the last two years, made rulings that are literally against Michigan current law. 
um, and it's it's blatant. So uh, that's what we're dealing with here. Uh, it shows you the importance of Supreme Courts at a state level and certainly at a federal level. And thank God we have the Supreme Court we have. Yes, exactly. And then I think maybe maybe the worst of all to me, uh, it's just my perspective, is Prop 3 that passed almost two to, well, not two to one, but, you know, handily, 55.4% to 44.6% no. And uh, that's the proposition that you've presented to us, Ron, and worked so hard to defeat that takes away parental rights on minors having abortion and minors wanting to change their sex. Anything to add to that? Well, I think you add to that, you look at the uh, headlines today, and it's the same as it was all the way through, that that Prop 3 protected uh, uh, abortion rights for people. Uh, they, they they painted this as a uh, protecting what Roe versus Wade got rid of, and that's what the people believed. Um, they're going to find out differently very soon uh, as as things begin to happen to our children and their children that we're not going to legally have anything to say about. And we've now seen a Supreme Court that doesn't follow the law. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Michigan is in trouble. And so like many other states where we thought we were going to have a, a red wave and the tsunami and whatever it is, um, we, we, you know, that did not materialize the way that we, we thought it would. But we have to, uh, we have to pray. I think we have to find a way forward. And as I, uh, you know, I've stated to uh, all through the morning is, you know, uh, God is still in control. He has not changed. We still live in the greatest country on earth. We still have truth on our side. We still have the Constitution on our side. I believe we have the majority of the people, if they understand what they're doing, on our side. And uh, with that, uh, it gives us the ability to uh, move forward boldly. And uh, again, we've got to continue to proclaim and, and uh, preserve our freedoms and liberties moving forward. Now, one uh, one bright spot, I think, if I got this right, uh, John James did win. Is that right? For yeah, the, John seat... James looks like he did win his oh. race. Uh, Tom Barrett did not, and John Gibbs did not. So there were a couple of that we really were hopeful for. But John James did win uh, his uh, his seat in Congress, and that's a that's a flip and a very important one, uh, as we may have a narrower by far majority. So we're we're certainly proud of of that. And there were some spots that were. Um, that, that were, you know, that have a little sunshine to them. Uh, and I think we've got to look to those, and then we have got to, um, we have to identify leadership uh, to move forward. We have to have a strategy to move forward. And I think, as you uh, had mentioned, I think Frank Gaffney had mentioned in his minute, is we really do have to have a, a, a strategy that the people can relate to, understand with, and, and, and what promises we're going to do collectively if we are, uh, if we elect people who represent us. Yeah. And Ron, I think you said it, but I will echo this. We, no matter what happens, and of course the House and the Senate are still in the balance, we don't know yet. We don't know yet who's going to have the majority or the necessary majority to rule and pick, you know, committee chairs and all of it. Uh, but if we lose, regardless, we, those of us that are believers in Christ, this is always when we remind ourselves of what really matters. And we, you know, it's like fasten your seatbelt. My mother used to say, Sandra Kay, you just have to ride the waves. So we have to ride the waves and they may get really rocky here. They may get really rocky. But, our, you know, the Bible says uh, some trust in chariots, others in horses. But we put our trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that's a reminder for all of you this morning, a reminder for myself. 
And uh, a reminder to my good friend, Ron, who's already reminded me. (laughs) So, Ron Armstrong, listen, for your efforts, um, you know, uh, there will be, you know, rewards in heaven for all that you have done. And uh, I know you won't give up because I know your nature. And I know the people that are working with you, they won't give up either. So maybe there will be unique ways uh, to respond to this that you that we haven't even thought of yet, but for right now, it's a sad morning in uh, in Michigan, and uh, sad for all those candidates that really laid their their lives on the line this last several months. Not literally, like life and death, but they put their their natural lives on hold while they worked so hard to try to win and help save Michigan. Uh, Ron Armstrong with Stand at Michigan. Ron, thanks for joining me this morning. I really do appreciate it, and, I, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a great day, Thank- everybody. Thanks. Thanks, Ron. All right. Let me come back now to, uh, I think I'm going to go, uh, there's a lot, there are a lot of races I could give you. Mac, Mike Lee did win. Adam Laxalt in Nevada is ahead. J.D. Vance won. Rand Paul won handily. Uh, and um, the, uh, let's see, um, Blake Masters is behind Mark Kelly, but Arizona is just kind of like a, in, in a mess right now. And I don't, you know, there are lawsuits and I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Uh, but I, yesterday afternoon, uh, early afternoon, I got in my inbox all of this stuff about what's happening in Maricopa. And one of the, Maricopa is the, I think it's 60% of um, the vote in Arizona is in Maricopa County. That's Phoenix and surrounding areas. So it's important, and that's where all the mischief happened two years ago. Uh, you know, all that major count, all the videos you saw, and all those hearings in Arizona were about what happened in Maricopa County. So yesterday in Maricopa County, uh, all of this stuff started happening. Uh, let me just say that people are reporting that they couldn't they couldn't vote. They were told to go to another uh, site, and then they found out they couldn't. In fact, I should just read this to you if I could find it. Um, well, they were told to go to other poll places, but then their votes were invalid, and so it was. It really was a mess, and it was widespread. And as I told you in the first segment, it was thirty six percent of all voting centers across Maricopa County had trouble. And some of the people that went to this particular pre. Uh, 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 precinct. They're all standing in line. If you can picture this, people are standing in line waiting to get in and vote. And a man comes out to them, and this is what he said. This is clip two. Yes, of course, I know everybody wants to make sure that it reads and everything is fine. Can you repeat that? I can promise can you. you re- can you start from the beginning yeah. and repeat that? So what happens is we have two tabulators. One of the tabulators is not working. Okay. The other tabulator is taking about 75% successful. So 25% of them are being misread, and it could be a printer issue, um, or it could be the tabulator itself. So when it's misread, you have an option to put it into what's called box three, and it gets read, whether it goes downtown and gets read manually, or whether it gets refed in into our tabulator. We don't want to adjudicate. They get read, no. okay? So no one's trying to... <laughs> Of course not. Not on election day. That would never happen, right? No, that would never happen. So, so choices are, you know, you guys. Sure. All right, so then it goes on, and that, that happened in Harris County in Texas. It happened in New Jersey. It uh, happened all over the country. Uh, let me see. If, uh, here's, a, here's from New Jersey. The Board of Elections, this is in Mercer County, New Jersey, 
has advised the county of issues with voting machines. Poll workers will be on hand to walk voters through the process. The board is waiting is working with Dominion, the machine maker, to resolve the issue. And most of you will remember that word Dominion that uh, they uh, yeah they've sued everyone the socks off of everyone that questioned uh, what happened with Dominion voting machines in 2020. It was never resolved because the leadership of the Republican Party wouldn't talk about it. And uh, they, you know, they said there's nothing to that. It's uh, They were as bad at blackballing people that said there was a problem with those voting machines. Like, uh, um, so I'm blanking out on this, but even some of my friends who are in voter integrity uh, didn't want to talk about that because it was a very dangerous thing to talk about. In fact, you know, Catherine Ingerbrecht and Greg, uh, her partner at uh, True the Vote, spent time in jail just last week, a week in jail, because they revealed to the FBI that this uh, voter uh, company, voter machine company from that is run by the Chinese, um, uh, they had been, this Chinese company had been leaking information back to the mainland. But as my understanding is, Catherine, and Greg had found that there was much deeper implications to this. They got they involved the FBI, and the local FBI seemed to be working with them, and then it went to headquarters, according to Catherine, and then suddenly they're in jail, and they don't know what's this all about. I'm only saying that I do, I do think there's a deeper issue, and I, I think there's a much deeper issue. And doesn't common sense tell you that if we never address the problem of the machines, and we see in Maricopa... There are problems with the machines. Are you kidding me? They 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 can't. The thirty what thirty four percent of the precincts can't vote because of machines or printers. Really, you know, I've I've got an island to sell you. If you believe that that's not how can that happen? How can they not be prepared? How can that just be a fluke when it happened recently? And that's why I believe there was a red wave. I'm not saying in every precinct in every place, but I think there was a red wave. I think what we saw and what we felt and touched and with our own eyes was true. Uh, and I think there were forces at work. We know that the Biden team would not release their plans to, you know, they refused. They were asked and they refused to release their written plans to all the agencies to help, you know, with the election. Uh, so um, there, there were all kinds of things happening that we probably will never know about. And I blame, uh, I do blame Republican leadership because they refuse to take this seriously. And that includes Republican leadership in states like Michigan, in states like Wisconsin, in states like Arizona. You have no idea how the people in the conservatives in those states fought uh, to get accountability for what they saw, uh, which was verified malfeasance on paper. And the leadership in the party, they had to fight because the legislatures are filled with um, unserious people who call themselves Republicans, serious about their power, but not serious about what's right and wrong. So, and there were other places. It happened in Texas. It happened in New Jersey. It happened. Oh, let's see. I think there was a couple of other states where they had problems. And I, you know, we'll see if anything else comes out. Uh, but so far, so far, then in uh, Arizona, we still don't know what the fate of Carrie Lake or Blake Masters is. Um, and, in, and, of course, in Pennsylvania, there, um, you know, that's another place where the malfeasance from 2020 was never addressed. And there was tons of it. John Eastman was in the middle of that. And you will recall when they say that no court, you know, ruled in favor or found anything wrong with the 2020 election, that's uh, the, that is a twisting of what happened. What happened was 
no court would even look at the evidence. They refused to hear it. They refused to view it. Uh, that's what happened. And so these issues were never settled. And when it went up to the Supreme Court, uh, was um, uh, it, it was Justice—oh, um, shoot, I can't even think. Uh, the Italian justice, who I know, but I can't think of his name, uh, wanted the, uh, Pennsylvania to—the uh, the Supreme Court to hear the case in Pennsylvania. And uh, they ignored him, and um, they sent it back to Pennsylvania. So that was never settled. So Pennsylvania did what Pennsylvania does. Uh, there was, uh, you know, tons of uh, voters— uh, that voted ahead of time, I think maybe, I don't know how, I can't say numbers, but in, in theory and in uh, practice, that is exactly what they did. And in New York, um, Kathy Hochul won 52.7% to Lee Zeldin's 47.3%. That was always going to be an uphill battle, but, you know, who knows? <clears throat> it's New York. Who knows? So uh, Doug Mastriano, this to me was sad. Doug Mastriano was the person in Pennsylvania who led... Uh, the fight, and it was a bloody fight, uh, to bring integrity to Pennsylvania elections. He was so outspoken. I just, I l- just admired him so much in the middle of that fight. He really caught my attention. And so he was running for um, uh, attorney general, I think it was. Uh, but he was p- painted as, you know, an election denier, uh, you know, like some sort of a fool. And, um, and so Josh Shapiro beat him handily. Tons of money went into that race. Doug Mastriano got nothing. No help whatsoever from the Republican Party. So that that's the reality. But here's the thing. There are some good things that happened. Like I said, Arkansas defeated their marijuana um, addition to their constitution. Thank God for that. Uh, and also there, uh, the, the jury's out. Nobody's won the House yet and nobody's won the Senate yet. And so today, you know, stay tuned. You'll watch it. And tomorrow morning we'll bring you you know, those uh, those results are the best as uh, that we can. And also, uh, I will be interviewing the new host for this program, uh, Jenna Ellis. So I think you're going to enjoy it. So be sure and tune in tomorrow. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.